Welcome to Restored Life Radio. At Restored Life, we believe you were created for a great purpose with great promise and provision. That's why we're here. We're here to help you overcome the obstacles that keep you from the pinnacle you were meant for. And now, here's our Restored Life coach, Dwayne Wolf. Step number nine is confessing a new identity, confessing uh, that new creation identity. And the focus of this lesson is on the importance of planting uh, the seeds of the Word of God, the seeds that you've been uh, receiving, you've been accepting, now planting those seeds into the spirit realm of the reality of your present and your future. So that as you plant those seeds, those seeds now have a spiritual power to go before you, so they're not just affecting your present, but they have the spiritual power to go before you to begin to create a harvest for you so that when you arrive to your future, those seeds are already there creating the reality that you desire when you said those seeds or when you've accepted and believed those seeds. So we don't want to just receive the seed of the Word of God and then not get it planted into the spirit realm. Uh, There's something dynamic that happens in terms of changing us changing our life, changing our environment, changing our future, changing circumstances that begins to happen that partners with the changes on the inward man when we begin to confess the Word of God, confess those promises, confess that new identity, that new way of thinking, that new way of seeing and living life. And uh, so we start here just by asking the question, what should we say? What If we've been bound, if we've had problems, if we've had addiction, if we've had dysfunction, uh, in any realm of our lives, what should we say about that dysfunction? Uh, How should we talk about that? What's the framework of that? Um, and, uh, 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 And are we doing the right thing with regard to our current confession? Is our current confession really helping us overcome? Uh, Number one, typically, uh, we let behaviors and circumstances determine our confession. Even if that behavior or even if those circumstances are negative, we generally allow that negativity or allow those circumstances to determine the way we talk. Now, when we say confession, uh, we mean a couple things. We mean the way we talk. Uh, the way we express ourselves, the words that we purposefully and uh, subconsciously uh, bring forth. And uh, when we say confession, we mean also who are we agreeing with? Who and what are we agreeing with? Because to confess or to talk or to bring forth speech uh, will always be something that either agrees with God and God's Word or it will be something that agrees with Satan and the old nature, the old Adamic nature, and his power over Adam uh, before Christ, before the cross uh, of Jesus and the application of the cross in our own lives. And so that's what we mean by confess. Uh, Are we confessing or are we agreeing with God and with what God says Uh, Look at what we typically might say. I'll just give you some examples here. We might say, I'm just a pushover for chocolate. Uh, We might say, I'm a mess. We might say, I can't control myself. Uh, We might say, I never do it right. We might say, I can't love them. 
Uh, we might say, I'm so bitter about that. Uh, we might say, I'm jealous. Somebody told me last night, I want to kill him. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, if, if, we're, if we're being uh, honest about some of the things that we say, some of the things we say aren't very positive of nature. And a lot of times we just blurt out whatever is there in the realm of circumstance, uh, emotion, uh, or behavior. Uh, we may say, I'm jealous. We might say, I can't forgive them. Uh, we might say, the most imp- uh, I'm the most impatient person on the planet. Uh, we might say, I'm attracted to her, or I don't think I could be with one person my whole life, or I need a smoke, or I just, just need one drink, or I'm so dumb. Uh, if we listen to ourselves, and if you ask someone else to listen to you, because they'll probably hear you better than you hear yourself, you'll hear that you're saying things that are producing a future. You have to realize that seeds are words. Seeds are words. Words are seeds. They have life in them. They contain DNA. They produce after their own kind. And so if we want what's planted in us to begin to create our future, then we want to begin to get those words out. Thanks again for tuning in to Restored Life Radio. We are so glad that you're with us. We want you to call today, 922-1502. That's the 253 area code. Or email us as well at the Restored Institute, Restored Institute at Gmail, Restored Institute, all lowercase Gmail. God bless you. We're going back into the program now, talking about mercy, the power of showing mercy, and what happens in our lives when we show others mercy. Uh, It's common for us to have these negative words, and if we have these negative words, negative speech, negative confession, then what's happening to our future? When we arrive at our future and we continue to say, I'm a mess, then when we arrive at our future, we're still a mess. If we say, I'm an alcoholic, even though the cross says you're free from alcoholism, then when we arrive in our future, we're still an alcoholic. Now, can we be forgiven? Yes, you can be a forgiven alcoholic. And so, once again, you succumb to the bondage of alcoholism. Once again, you medicate through alcohol or alcoholism. Once again, instead of turning to Christ, turning to the Holy Spirit, who is the ultimate comforter, isn't it interesting? We have alcohol called uh, uh, comfort, and we have the Holy Spirit who is the chief comforter. And so once again, you turn to the alcohol for medication and for comfort uh, instead of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's jealous over you. This grieves the heart of the Holy Spirit. And so now you realize this. You can come to the altar. You can go to your prayer closet. You can be forgiven again. But as long as you continue to say, I'm an alcoholic, then you're sowing the DNA that will produce an alcoholic into your future so that when you get to your future, that DNA has been sown into the spirit realm. And when you arrive there a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, you're still an alcoholic because seeds go into the future. They're sown into the soil of the spirit realm to produce an eventual harvest. The spirit realm is the realm where the harvest comes forth as seeds are sown. And so this is why it's so important that you begin to change your confession. Uh, It's real common, if you want to fill in the blank here, it's real common for the alcoholic 
uh, or the alcohol recovery programs, clinics, and rehabilitation centers of our culture to encourage you to confess that you're an alcoholic. Now, this seems to make sense. Uh, it's required. It's part of the nature of the dysfunction. Uh, they say it's, it's part of the inherent uh, disease that you have. Uh, it's, a key to your, it's a key to your overcoming. It's a key to your recovery, uh, which I'm still confused about. How do you recover from something that you're stuck with? If you're stuck with something and it's an inherent disease or an innate disease or an inborn disease or a generational disease, if you're stuck with something, how will you ever recover from it? You can only recover from something if you really didn't have it in the first place or if it was wrongfully foisted or forced or placed upon you and it really isn't meant to be yours. And so uh, the programs of today, they say this kind of confession, if you want to fill in the blank here, this kind of confession or pronouncement is a key to recovery. Is it really? No, it's, gonna, it's really the seed, and in the seed is DNA, and that DNA will be sown into the future. It will be sown into the present and the future. It will be sown into the spirit realm. Now faith is... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You're actually, it's actually an exercise of faith. And so when you release that up out of your heart and out of your perspective in the realm of confession, you're releasing a realm of faith that will produce after its own kind so that as you get into the future, the very thing that you're hoping for or expecting is alcoholism is drug addiction, is sexual addiction, is domestic violence addiction, is rage, is greed, is covetousness. It's an addiction, and as you confess it, that you're actually giving place to your hope instead of your hope in the gospel, hope in renewal, hope in reformation, hope in change, hope in the power of the cross to set you free. If the cross has set you free then what you need to declare is your hope in the cross that I'm free. So there are several problems with this approach as with other religious or psychological approaches that are based on behavior, modification, accountability, and or discipline. There's several problems with this approach that I want to bring out to you as we talk about the power of confession and how important your confession is. Letter A, this approach of confessing the old over the new, the old over yourself, this actually keeps the, de- the, the disease affirmed. It actually allows the disease to continue and it thus fulfills the pronouncement, giving the pronouncement prophetic power. When you say something, when you make something a proclamation, you're actually giving that proclamation prophetic power to recreate after its own kind. Let's get right back to our topic today on confession, which means to agree with God. We are finding right now and discovering that confession is a powerful, positive principle where we come into agreement with what God has said over us. 
Oh my goodness, I don't want to be in disagreement with what God has said. I want to use the power of agreement. If any two will agree on something, that's you and Jesus. Jesus has a testimony over your life. Jesus is, by the Holy Spirit, searching out the will of God for you. And God has a great plan for you. And Jesus, your advocate, your intercessor, your representative, the high priest of your life, is ever living to get that good plan into your life. He's your perfection and your representative. If we agree with Jesus, what a great, powerful thing. Let's go back into our lesson and listen today for all that God has for us on agreeing with him. So we see here Romans chapter 6. This is not this is not appropriate. Here it says that we have been united with Jesus in the likeness of his death so that we will live in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. We have been crucified with Christ, it says here, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is free from sin. I'm free from bondage. I'm free from sin legally. Now I want to move into experiencing freedom. I want to move into a realm of actually walking in freedom because I'm legally free through the cross of Jesus from this dysfunction, this bondage, this, this uh, that springs up, that's of an addictive or a harmful nature. I'm free from it. I'm totally free in the cross. And so to move from legal, legal freedom into experiential freedom, I'm going to do that through confession. I'm going to begin to declare who I am. I'm going to begin to declare my freedom over myself. I am free from alcohol. I have self-control. I medicate in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my comfort, and thus I am free. He has liberated me from the addiction of alcoholism. He has freed me from the generational bondage or the inherited disorder of alcoholism through the cross, and thus and therefore I am free. I have a soundness of mind and a grace to make right choices. And when I need to medicate, when I need comfort, the Holy Spirit is right there helping me and bearing up under me, strengthening me, enabling me, and giving me grace. Letter B, uh, this is wrong to confess uh, and you're saying, well, but I want to be honest. I want to be transparent. Well, there's ways to approach that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few moments. But this is wrong also because this keeps you white-knuckling your way through recovery. This keeps you uh, pushing your way, fighting your way through recovery. Now, granted, there's many, if you want to fill in the blank, uh, there's many who have followed this formula and have succeeded in living clean and sober for an extended period. Uh, absolutely. Uh, just as there were many uh, legalistic Jews uh, who did well. Paul was one of them. Paul said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I have kept the law. Paul was good at keeping the law. Paul, Paul was good at, at uh, subduing the desires of the flesh. Paul was good at 
at controlling the carnal nature. He was good at it. He, he knew how to work the law to keep his flesh under. But that didn't mean the flesh wasn't trying. That didn't mean that the flesh wasn't exerting itself. In Romans chapter 7, Paul actually says that when the law came and I heard and learned of the law, as soon as the law said, thou shalt not covet, it produced all sorts of coveting desires within me. So even Paul acknowledges he had the desire to sin within him, but he was subduing it with the law. So the law is beneficial, but a new creation is much better. Through the cross, legal freedom, and through a right confession of who we are and who he's made us to be, we begin to participate in something so much better, the new creation where our heart, our mind wants to do the right thing, wants to do the good thing instead of us having this conflict on the inside all of the time. Colossians two twenty through 23, since you have died to Christ with the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belonged to it, do you submit to its rules? He says here that these regulations have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, false humility, and harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So this is, this is amazing. Here Paul is saying that regulations have an appearance of wisdom, but a regulation can't change the heart. A regulation can't change. See, heart, heart change, you can change your heart after you've heard a regulation or having been touched by the penalty of a regulation, but a regulation itself does not change the heart. Restored Life is the ministry built and developed, designed to help you rebuild your foundation and restore your garden. We know that every single person faces sabotage, difficulties, every kind of obstacle and oppressive power to harm and to ruin their future. And so we are here to help you get restored and discover how to walk in restoration. Call us today, 253-922-1502, 253-922-1502, and ask about the Restored Life classes today. Heart change is something that we do, and heart change is what it takes to bring about a change of nature. And so the law won't do that for us. It will only bring temporary behavior modification. For instance, you've been driving down the road, and, uh, and all at once a police car pulls in behind you. What do you do? For fear of the law, you may get involved in temporary behavior modification, right? And so for fear of the law, you immediately touch the brakes or let off on the gas or slow down or you you're look at your throttle. And so the fear of punishment can bring a temporary behavior modification, but only faith that you are a new creation can bring a change of nature. And that's, that's part of what's, what's wrong here with a confession that keeps me saying, uh, I'm a sexual addict, I'm an alcoholic, uh, I'm an abuser, uh, I'm a liar, 
certainly before the, before the cross, uh, we could say that those things were true. Before the cross, behavior equaled identity. But after the cross, behavior does not equal identity. If you lied before the cross, you were a liar. If you stole before the cross, you were a thief. Uh, if you were drunken before the cross, you were an alcoholic. But after the cross, you are not bound to those behaviors as your identity. Rather, you're to use your new identity to change and alter your behavior. Dare you. I, I, I give you... Uh, you know, the 30-day confession challenge that you begin to find out who you are in the Word of God and begin to say only that and see if it doesn't go into your future to begin to create a new reality so that when you get there, you begin to receive and partake of and walk in the very thing that you begin to say in line with the Word of God. It's not enough to have accountability. It's not enough to be caught. It's not enough to be embarrassed. It's not enough to to um, to repent. All of these things have to work together, and now we're adding to it this very strategic key that you begin to confess over yourself what God says over you, that you begin to agree with God. That's what confession means as it pertains to the Word of God. Agree with what He has said. Another problem with having a wrong confession or a evil confession or an old creation pre-cross Adamic confession over your life is it contradicts God's method of change. It contradicts. We've been saying this, of course, but it contradicts God's method to bring about change, new life, and transformation. Galatians 3, 2, and 3, Paul talks about this a little bit, that it's really faith and not works that will bring us into perfection and change. This is the one thing I want to find out, he says, from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Perfection can't come by the law. Perfection comes, change comes, uh, transformation comes as we agree with the Word of God, agree with who God has made us to be. Letter D, what's wrong with this wrong confession or an evil confession? It keeps you in fear of the disease. It keeps you subject to the disease instead of victorious over the disease. God has given you dominion. Romans chapter five seventeen. those who receive the abundance of grace will reign in life by Christ Jesus. So letter B, what is God's method to bring about change? Now, it's interesting about God's nature and the way God does operate and the way faith does operate with regard to change and transformation. And first of all, we might see or say that God does not deny a problem, but he's also not bound to its current state. His method of change is to release his word over a problem or a situation because his word has, it contains the DNA to bring about change and he's asked you to live the same exact way. So he's not bound by the current state of a problem. If you want to write that down, we're called to emulate him. For instance, and we give you the example of Genesis even, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, it says that God observes the earth and the earth is void and it is without form 
and darkness is there. Now, this would, be a, this would really be a bad prognosis for us. If we see something in our life, uh, he sees something, void, without form, darkness is hovering over it. This is, this is like bad news. This is a terrible forecast, right? But God is not bound by what does now exist. And the way to change what does now exist is not to deny its current state, but to superimpose his word over its current state. So this is where maybe I begin to think differently. I begin to confess differently. I begin to think, all right, I've struggled in this area. This seems to be a propensity, a weakness, a vulnerability. It seems to be that the law of iniquity, we've talked about iniquity 267 times, iniquity is mentioned in Scripture. Well, we see that iniquity is working within us, and this is a weakness or a propensity within our sinful nature. You've been listening to Restored Life Radio. For more information on the Restored Life Institute, contact us at 253-922-1502.